for the crop. Who the f is that guy? Off at your I'm better than you. And you know it. This is The Law. Live audio wrestling with the latest news, info, and interviews from the world of pro wrestling, mixed martial arts, and the best of combat sports worldwide. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Tidwell and Brady Weta. Well, 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 we are back again. This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. Welcome to another week's episode. My name is Chris Tidwell. I'm your host. And of course, you cannot have a host without a co-host because then you're not a host. You're just a single person doing the thing. And my co-host happens to be my buddy, little Brady Wedham. Once again, joining us here. How you doing this week, dude? Brother, I am doing way better than Swerve Strickland is this morning. That's all I can say after full gear. Holy crap. Wow. And we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. This week on the show, we're going to get into uh, some UFC fight night with Brendan Allen against Paul Craig. We are going going to get into uh, a preview, uh, a preview, so to speak, of Survivor Series, War Games, stuff coming up like that. It's going to be one hell of an episode. But first, I got to find out. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask the question, Brady. How has your week been? Are you still homeless? (laughs) <laughs> no i'm not homeless oh I'm, i thought I, you were living in a tent no you know what sometimes that would be a little bit easier on my life from but i have way too many things uh no i'm in between condos right now anybody living in the gta you understand what's going on with condo living um i didn't want to pay five thousand dollars a month <laughs> to live by myself in a condo anymore so i'm like all right i need to I need to take a break i'm gonna go up north i'm gonna re readjust and come back here before the holidays and hopefully hopefully i'm not paying six grand by then you've built a lean-to up north you uh have a getting ready to get covered with snow so you can hibernate like the bear that you are cottage living my friend i here's the, I, I here's like the question it. if you go camping and you sleep in a tent uh, do you sleep on an air mattress? No, you sleep on the ground. You sleep on on uh, on Jesus Christ or Mother Nature or Allah, whoever <laughs> you believe in. You sleep on their bed, my friend. I don't know if you can sleep on on Jesus Christ. What? What? <laughs> you might get offended. I've slept on a couple of Jesus's before, but that's for a different show. So, Chris, how was your week? Uh, you know, it was crazy. It was hectic. Uh, I uh, finished it off right before this. Um, before the fights and everything like that. And before AEW, I was at Neo Pro Wrestling in Niagara Falls, uh, putting on another fantastic, fantastic show. If you get a chance, check them out. Uh, special guest dropping in, friend of mine, friend of yours, friend of everybody, Sean Spears, uh, hey, showed up that? to defend his Neo Heavyweight Championship. And he brought his oh so lovely and very talented wife, Casey, Cassie Lee, with him. Okay. And, you know, as a family outing back home to the area where, I mean, you know, that uh, he is from. So it was good. It was great. It was a, a fantastic time. But, man, it makes for 
it makes for late nights that I'm not used to, you know, not like when I was younger and you'd have those late nights where you were like, Hey, let's go. Uh, let's go to Franz afterwards at four o'clock in the morning and get pancakes. Cause we're all loaded up. No, there's none of that. There was, Oh my gosh, it's three o'clock in the morning. And I'm still trying to do prep and work for this show that we do. Oh and my goodness. It's so, this is like a full blown production now that Neo's doing. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's oh, fantastic. check out Neo uh, Neo Spirit Pro Wrestling. Neo Wrestling has always been a mainstay here in in, in Ontario and a big mainstay in Canada. It's, uh, there's a lot of people that cut their teeth there. Eric Young, absolutely guys, crazy. Steve showed up again Steve. last night. He is from there, and he showed yeah. up. I mean, uh, Tornado was on the show. Jake O'Reilly was on the show. Tyler Turva, you know, um, who's probably one of the one of the best workers in Canada. Tarek was on the show. Oh, wow, Tarek. You no, know? so like, listen. They're they're putting out one hell of a hell of a talent and you have to be able to put out that kind of a show if you plan on doing an indie show where you are up against not one, but two, two major companies in comparison, right? In MLW had a show. Yep. AEW had a show. And we're going to talk about that AEW show yes, right, a little later on 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 this show. And this show is the law live audio wrestling. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get right into it. We're going to talk about some UFC fight night. Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Stick around. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. This is The Law Live Audio Wrestling. This November, get ready for a face-melting, riff-raging, ear-blasting, rock-and-roll extravaganza. Monster Trucks Dive Bar Tour 2023 Ontario Edition. November 24th, the Dominion House in Windsor, Windsor, Windsor. November 25th, the Harb in Owen Sound. We'd sell you the whole seat, but it's standing room only. Get your tickets today at fanatickets.com. You know, I love everything about those sponsors. It's so nice. And the best thing that I like about them most of all is the fact that they pay our bills. Well, shouts out to Fanta Tickets. Shouts out to SMA Radio. Shouts out to Podstars. Shouts out to THT, the handshaking team. Shouts out to Destiny Wrestling. My goodness, we got too many sponsors. It's fantastic. Now, with that said, you know who has a lot of sponsors, I noticed, is the UFC. I mean, so much so that you've got crypto sponsors with banners on the stairs. You've got Trojan with sponsor on on the mat before they get into the ring. You've got your main main uh, uh, canvas in the middle sponsors with Monster. You've got all the stuff on the outside. They have so many sponsors. It's remember when the NASCAR. fighters? Remember when the fighters used to be the ones that were sponsored? I, now, I miss those days, like dude wipes and like like Pornhub and all this stuff all over their shorts. Like they look like NASCAR. Casino Royale and grease yeah. paint on the back because they didn't have tattoos. Now it'd be hard to do it because it seems like everybody's covered in tattoos in, in MMA now. Golden Golden Nugget. Remember the Golden Nugget? Oh, yeah, that Golden Palace. On your back? Or Golden uh, Palace. Golden That's Palace. what it was. Yeah, Golden <laughs> Palace. Everyone had – I remember they did that to uh, – they did that to a fighter and they didn't tell him that they did it in permanent marker. And he had Come it on, on. His, I swear to God, and he had it on his back. It was somebody big, too, like a big fighter. And he had it on his back for like a month. 
He just could not get it off. <laughs> that is unbelievable. It's an advertisement that keeps paying. So with that said, we had UFC fight night coming off of the heels of UFC 295, right? Where we saw some fantastic fights. We had UFC fight night. And listen, here's the reality of it. We're going to, it was not a loaded card by any means, you know, but you had some name value at the top of this card. You had Brendan Allen, mm -hmm. right? Uh, 22, 22 and five going into this thing against Paul Craig, the Scotsman, who has probably the hardest head in all of MMA. He absolutely has to because he gets punched a lot. Yeah. Like he leaves it. He goes because he's going for submissions all the time and he leaves himself open. And it's a gigantic cranium to begin with. You know what I mean? So he's getting hit a lot. And listen, that's that's about the only name value that you had on this. Other than you might have had, you know, who's referred to as Ben Askren's son. Chase? Taking on taking on uh, Jordan Levitt. We're talking about Chase Hooper and Jordan Levitt. So we're going to talk about this very quickly. Here's my biggest question. I don't know. And I this is not nothing against Jordan Levitt as a human being. I'm sure he's lovely. He's always seems very cordial, very smiley, very happy to be there. And he should be because he's robbing the bank. Yeah. He is, is absolutely he... a thief. Why he is, is he still stealing, on the he's, roster? He's stealing money from the UFC because he has no <laughs> business being on that payroll. No, I don't know what's going on there. And this, this grappling fight that was last night was exactly what it was. It looked like a, it looked like a, a sparring session of nothing but grappling. Now the transitions were unbelievable, but there wasn't, there didn't seem to be like they were either guy was working towards any kind of accuracy. And this really allowed chase Hooper to just kind of flow through everything that he had to, you know, uh, and go out there and put on a performance where like in round one, he ends up putting away Jordan Levitt in round one. Listen, I don't think Jordan Levitt is going to be very long for his career in the UFC. If he decides to continue in MMA, that's one thing. He reminds me of a guy who should be teaching self-defense classes at the YWCA. Okay, all right, all right. You're getting a little too hard. I know you're upset. This is unbelievable. Me of Michael, Mike Jackson, like the, the guy who fought CM Punk there. Uh, it's, the very, it's a very similar style. It's just he just doesn't seem like he should be on the roster. Everything seems lighter than it should be. I think he's kind of going through sparring motion, motions more than he is the actual, like, I'm a killer. He does and remind Chase, he does remind me of a Mike Jackson, but I think it's more of a Michael. And and Chase is no slouch. It's oh, not no. Like, like, he, he's not taking anything away from Chase Hooper. Like, I'm surprised that he said he's married and has a kid. He looks like he just came out of the womb, but. He's Chase 24 been, years old. And both of these guys just had kids. So yep. it was the it was the battle of new dads, and it was almost like they didn't want to hurt each other because they knew that they had to get up on Sunday morning and and like change diapers. No, no, I go think to soccer kids on, practice. Either kids on the way, or maybe yeah, they just had a kid. But they're both fathers. They don't look like they would be. They both look very young. But it was interesting to see Chase Hooper because he's been there since he's eighteen. I don't know if people really realize this that he Chase Hooper has been around since he was a child yeah, and he uh, had no fights. He had no fights, and he's now growing into a man inside the UFC. He's 24 years old. He's still a fantastic prospect, and I think in the next four or five years, if he really puts it together, you're looking at a future contender, if not champion. Yeah, like this is the thing we're seeing now more and more with the uh, 
with the PI center and whatnot is the fact that you're going to have, you're going to have guys that this is their existence. They didn't come from a different camp. They started off in the UFC training in the UFC to be a fighter in the UFC. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got a guy, you got a local guy in Peyton Talbot who fought earlier in the night, right? Very stoic fighter, young, young dude from Las Vegas. And I mean, he's basically, you know, has never seen anything uh, outside of the UFC. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Some of these guys. Now, with that said, moving on, we had another fight in Michael Morales and Jake Matthews. Yep. And this was literally this was literally a boxing sparring session where both guys, both guys just like kept trying to get after it a bit. But there wasn't any urgency again in this fight, it seemed like. And Michael Morales ends up getting a decision. So you had a three round, really good looking sparring session of boxing, but that was pretty much it. That's all it was. And then your main event, your main event was Brandon Allen and Paul Craig, of which you thought this was going to be, you know, a, a, a very fast war, so to speak, but it wasn't Brady. It mm-hmm. wasn't. This thing went to round three. Yep. Okay. Where Paul Craig every single time would find himself, you know, underneath, right? Mm-hmm. Because Brendan Allen it would just seem to be to look that much more hungry. Paul Craig is very content. He's one of these fighters very content to fight from his back. Very Boy. content to take a beating to try to get to that submission. There's Allen no told doubt him. about it. Allen you know? told him and went to, at the stare down. He said to him as Paul Craig was walking away, a very intense stare down, by the way. Um, when he was walking away, he's like, just don't try and pull a guard. Yeah, not going to go good for you. Yeah, no. And it didn't because uh, Brandon Allen hit him with an elbow early on in the fight that split him open. And it just seemed to be that was the downfall for it. And eventually, eventually he ends up getting the submission in round three. Now, that was your that was your fight night. Allen versus Craig. What do we got coming up next for the UFC is another fight night. We've got three fight nights in a row before we can get to UFC 296. Right. And the next one, the next one is actually not bad. You've got Benil Dariush against Armin Sarukian, Dan Hooker taking on Bobby Green, Rob Font taking on Davison Figueredo, Sean Brady taking on Kelvin Gastelum. So this looks to be something that stand up night. Yeah, this unbelievable. Is, this is a banger night. That's they a- knew they knew coming off of this grapple fest and this this <laughs> sparring you know session night that they had before UFC fight night soft spar as I'm going to call it the fights that happened this past weekend they needed to bring some guys that were going to bring some fire. Listen, that Rob Font Davis and Figueredo fight is going to be absolutely outstanding, and I'm excited about it. So that was UFC fight night. I'm done talking about it. I don't know about you. Let's let other people talk. Let's take a preview of Survivor Series coming up this Saturday uh, on WWE's network and every other PLE or pay-per-view provider or whatever they're called now. Um, Let's listen to Randy C. and Eric B. from Draw Straws Raw over on SMNE Radio. They're going to do a preview for us of the Survivor Series War Games. Eric B., Randy C. from SNME. Wow. And this is a show with you and me. Oh, God. All right. Get me out of here. Ladies and Can gentlemen. You tell me how to get how to get to SME Street. We talked about this. We said we weren't going to bring that up again. Oh. Okay. Well, when we get back from the sponsor break, uh, 
big ups to to randy c and eric b for previewing the survivor series for us and when we get back from that we are going to check in on what the hell went on at aw's la event full beer Just in time for Christmas, Canadian thrash pioneers Daglo Abortions. December 1st in London at Dundas and Sons with Hex Offender and Polluted. Or December 10th at Two Doors Down in Brantford with Gag Order and Sea of Troubles. Brought to you by Fuck You 2 Productions. Get tickets and info at fanatickets.com. Hey everybody, it's me, Eric B. from the Draw Straws Review, and I am here with my partner, my co-host, Randy C. on The Law, and we are going to break down Survivor Series for all you fine folks. Randy, say hi to everybody listening into The Law. Hey everybody, it's me, Randy C. Hi everybody listening into The Law. Oh, Randy, we love having you here on the show. Chris, Brady, thank you so much for having us. Since 1987, Survivor Series has been one of the four major pay-per-views for the WWE brand, and this year in Chicago is shaping up to be one for the history books. We got war games, we got title matches, and are we going to get CM Punk? Who knows? We're going to have to find out. But Randy, should we go ahead? Should we break down Survivor Series for the fine people? Very excited. Let's do it. A very excited Randy wants to get going, folks. So let's do it. First match is Carlito versus Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar has recently defected from the illustrious stable of the LWO. And Carlito, their newest member, is going to exact some revenge. Randy, are you excited to see the man who is just too cool to make his way back into the ring? Yeah, he definitely is too cool. Carlito is back, Jack. And boy, have we missed him. He looks good. Santos uh, I don't understand, man. You're just part of a great faction, and then you just want to leave. Why? Why, Santos? Why? And right after they've dropped so much merch for the LWO as well. So it is a bit of a surprise that he has turned on them, but to see Carlito back into the ring is going to be great. Next match is the Intercontinental Championship. Our boy Gunther is taking on The Miz. Randy, The Miz has just continued to raise his stock the last couple of weeks here at Monday Night Raw. He is at main event Miz level. How excited are you to see Gunther versus The Miz? If you asked me three weeks ago, I would have said not at all. But as of late, The Miz being fire on the mic, it actually gives a thought in my head that Gunther may lose this. There is a chance. But it is The Miz. You never know. There's a reason why he won the championship so many times. But who knows? Gunther's a beast. We'll find out. A two, yeah, a two-time Grand Slam champion. The Miz is no slouch. He definitely could take this one out. And guys, we're absolutely seeing the benefit of putting stock into a wrestler and watching it grow here with the fan base. Talking about the fan base and people that they love the next match of the night is for the women's world championship 
Randy, it is Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. We've been watching Raw these last couple of weeks, and we've been seeing Zoe Stark really putting herself out there. But can she even stand in the ring with Mommy? Mommy is a monster. M&M right there. Rhea Ripley should walk through Zoe Stark, and it should be quick. But Zoe Stark, as of late, has been kind of impressive. After the Trish Stratus little split, yes, she has been impressive, winning these four ways and everything else to get into this. So, yeah, let's see. Five way. I apologize. Five way. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of people in these matches, Randy. So don't be uh, too apologetic there, my friend. Our next match of the evening is going to be our first War Games match. And this is the female War Games match. We have Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Shotzi, and potentially, Be well, Becky Lynch here versus Damage Control, which is now Asuka, Bailey, Kyrie Sane, and Io Sky. Randy, these women are going to not only do some serious damage control in the ring, but they are going to fly through the skies. I am super pumped for this match. Are you excited to see Kyrie Sane throw out a stunt that you have never seen before? War Games. Yes, I am very excited, especially for this match. We're not going to have one, but we're going to have two War Games matches. And with damage control and the the complete unity or is it with damage control right now um they've been on fire i honestly think it's a possible cakewalk for damage control to go through all these people but again remember unity is best set if you're going to win a match is it really unity what do you think eric I honestly don't believe that there is too much unity there. I can definitely see a turn on Bailey happening here in this match. But either way, I know between EO Sky, Kyrie Sane, we're going to get some incredible spots. And it's definitely going to be something that you want to tune into. The men's war game match is going to be Cody Rhodes, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, Seth Rollins, and maybe somebody else versus Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio. Finn Balor, JD McDonough, and the new addition, well, quasi addition to the Judgment Day. We got Drew McIntyre. Randy, everybody involved in this match has been somewhat entangled in everyone's storyline, your web that you can somewhat call it here for the last few months. So who do you think, I know I'm going to put you on the spot here, but who do you think is coming out on top in this match? My honest answer, I honestly think Judgment Day. Why not? Yes, together with a big and mighty person that might be in their corner too, as you were saying in it, uh, I definitely think they can take the the Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, you know, been saying little stuff back and forth. Um, Sami Zayn, you know, Sami Zayn, everybody loves him. Um, Jey Uso, been on a little tear, but we talked about unity in the last match. What about unity in this match? Is nothing more better than Judgment Day realistically right now. More like being a family. Yourself? What do you think? No, you, I think you've nailed it directly on the head there. I think that we have a 90% chance of Cody and Seth not being able to coexist in the ring. Seth just has never been able to get that win on Cody. So 
to be able to sit there in the ring and now take directions from the general, really, of the team, who is Cody. He is the de facto leader of this team. I don't think that Seth is going to take that bottom rung. I think Seth is the main event player here, and I think that's why it's going to happen. So, Randy, that's the match card that we have so far. Currently, it is November 18th, so we have a little bit more time to throw a few more matches in here. Do you have any predictions to fill out this card? What matches do yeah. you think you're going to see? Well, we've been watching it on Raw for the last couple of weeks. And if you guys don't watch Raw, you don't need to because Eric and I both do a podcast about it. It's called Draw Straw Raw on Sunday night's main event. So come listen to us. But we've been seeing a little tension um, with Bronson Reed and uh, Ivar, especially last week, and a couple like four of them in together but i think it might accumulate and go down here at survivor series this coming saturday i i think that's one of them i know you have a big prediction and it, it what match might be coming up and i know it's a good one who do you think is going to be coming up this saturday well i definitely want to second your point there there's definitely been some beef stewing these last few weeks here on raw and i think we're gonna see it hit the stove and simmer up here at survivor series but what makes the most sense is LA Knight, one of the biggest draws in the company right now, without Roman Reigns being on the card and also falling short from Roman Reigns most recently in Saudi Arabia. He needs to be there, but so does Solo Sokoa, who just had the biggest win of his career over the biggest player of all time, John Cena. So I think LA Knight versus Solo Sokoa, if you want to continue that bloodline storyline, that's a match that's going to be on this card. So I am almost 90% certain we will see it there. So, so, sorry, you had me at Beast 2. What did you say? I apologize. <laughs> I heard all of it. It's all, you're absolutely correct on that. Yes, Solo and LA Knight. That is, that is a match probably look forward to the most in that upcoming card, other than the War Games matches itself. So good prediction on that, because that is probably going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Things that might happen or might not happen as well, folks. We still have one surprise member who is going to make their way into that Survivor Series War Games men's match. Randy, I know a lot of people have been pushing for CM Punk at Chicago, etc., etc., etc. But how certain are you that it's going to be Randy Orton to step in? Bye, Bunny. <laughs> bad buddy i love it I, i'm not saying as, as of late the randy orton uh uh rumors have uh i guess sort of subsided i guess they're putting little kiboshes on it but in old wwe fashion you may be right with that randy orton um so but yeah if i were to put somebody in yeah, imagine if logan paul was on one side and bad bunny on the other that could that could be true but i doubt that will happen Brandy is definitely going into the future. That is a WrestleMania match right there, my friend. Bad Bunny versus Logan Paul. But folks, that is our Survivor Series preview. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Like Randy said, we do a podcast every week where we break down Raw. So if you don't watch it, you don't have to. You can just listen in to us and find out what's the haps in the craps. So Randy, besides that, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this small section here. And we look forward to hearing from you next time.
special friends. You can catch Greg and Brad, your smack daddies, each weekend on the SNME radio network. We cover our lives, what's happening on the East Coast, and eventually cover SmackDown. Check us out each week at SundayNightsMainEvent.com. Please subscribe to get your Smack Daddies and the rest of the SME Radio Network content directly to your podcatcher for less than a dollar a week. We the ones! Audio wrestling, la 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 la. See, I can do it too, Chris. Yeah, it's just way more out of tune, and that's not how the song goes. It's la 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 la. Well, we're back, and thank you to the the fellows over at SME Radio for previewing Survivor Series. I'm stoked for it. I love seeing anything war games, so. You know, Survivor Series has always been one of my favorite pay-per-views. Uh, you know what I mean? That and Royal Rumble because of the surprises. Uh, those are my two favorites that the WWE pulls out just for nostalgia purposes. I mean, obviously, you know, they're big ones with WrestleMania or a spectacle in itself. But, you know, take some of these other ones. Eh, I could care less. But those two, Survivor Series, because it was always, you know, the the teams, the teams. Yeah. And who? how can you put together these teams? And you're putting together. Sometimes you have teams where guys don't really get along, but they're there for the greater cause. Right. It was always a thing that Survivor Series was fantastic for. Hands down. Ted DiBiase always had the best, best teams. The million 100%. dollar teams were it was always because Ted could afford to pay like Zeus and all these guys. Yeah, to be yeah, it was, team. yeah, it was, yeah. Best, it was low lives. Yeah, it was yeah. low lives that knew Love like, it. yeah, you're right. You know what? I do have a price and yeah. this is my price and he paid my price. And so we're going to get after it. And now. Ted's like, here's here's a hundred grand. Go take Hogan's head off. That's all I care about. Andre's gone now. I don't have Andre anymore. So I'm going to pay all you goons to go. Oh, I was oh, I love 80s wrestling as cheesy as it was. It was fucking best. So good. Now, now with speaking, that said, uh, I was going to say wrestling. Used well, to be. Well, I was going to say, when you think about that and you think about the things that like, you know, money buys with Ted DiBiase and everybody has a price, it seems like that mentality, Brady, in my opinion, anyways, has has carried over into modern day wrestling and more specifically has carried over into AEW wrestling. It seems like that the money is speaking. But my question is, and we'll get into this in a second here. I want you to keep this in mind. My question after we talk about AEW full gear is, is AEW becoming the new WCW? Um, yes and no, in my opinion. I think there's some truths and there's some similarities, especially after last night's main event booking. Um, yes, that could look like WCW late 1990s, early 2000s. Sure. I think there's money being spent like the mid, mid 90s in WCW. Mm-hmm. So, like, and you know what I mean by that big contract, Absolutely. just you know, overspending on monster trucks and fireworks and state, like, just stuff that they didn't need. They just went right. overboard with everything, right? Yetis, so by there's, Yetis. There's different. There's different portions of WCW. Yes, that are going on. There's also portions of what Vince did 
throughout right. the years when it was working and wasn't working that are going on in this company as well. But there's also even deeper. Okay. We're getting into things like when CZW was popular in the mid in the mid 2000s because of the shock value of like extreme working and extreme wrestling the the Nick Gage mentalities that is now taking place inside of AEW. So if you're looking for a full wrestling variety show and that's what I'm starting to call this company. Right. It's a, it's a variety show. Because you'll go from opening up the show with Edge uh and Sting and Darby Allen, mm-hmm. you know, and and be really strong and have a structured structured match that makes sense and it puts Sting over and it puts Christian over and it puts Luchasaurus over and the Nick Wayne kid it got everybody over that it needed to do. Edge never touched Christian, you know. All it was just really smart. And then you go from there to, you know, some dog shit booking. So it's hard can, to to watch it all. Can I just say that like the team of Darby Allen, Sting, and Adam Copeland. Is the then, now, perfect. and forever team of of professional wrestling? Yep. If you think about it, it is it is it is the exact antithesis of what is generational professional wrestling with Sting. Uh, it, you know, with with his whole era, right? The WCW era and like the the beach. Uh, era the the you know what i mean and then you had the attitude era being brought in with adam copeland you had that whole time frame was when he really flourished and now you've got darby allen which is you know the new kid out there just murdering himself for for views he's a lunatic he's a lunatic yeah lunatic yeah and i do like the idea that they are not allowing edge sorry adam and christian to touch each other. Yeah, I true. like the fact that they've done this because we haven't seen stuff like this since like, you know, done really well as far as I'm concerned since I mean one of the greatest ones, one of the greatest ones had to be, you know, ECW. Right? ECW did it really well. I mean, listen, when you talk about feuds and storylines, Paul Heyman's been able to come up with some of the best ones ever, no doubt about it. Right? You talk about um um uh, Tommy Dreamer, Raven Mm-hmm. That feud that went on for an entire year, which spawned off the Raven Sandman angle. Exactly. So that was all kind of intertwined. It it was really complicated, right? The yeah. uh, the Taz and Sabu. Yes. All of that, you know, the, the Taz and Shane Douglas. Like so, they they were very very good, and I like the idea, and I really hope make me really want it. Make me feel pain when I finally get it. Make me feel something. And I think that Adam Copeland and Christian, in fact, I know, I'm not going to say I think, I know for a fact that they can pull this out. Now, that being said, I'm taking away from you here, Brady. Tell me about the things that you liked. Tell me about the things that you liked and some of the things that you didn't like from AEW's full gear. And go. Okay, uh, that's a lot because it was seven hours. So I'm going to do this real quick because I'm wow. against the clock. So um, yeah, including and I the, the highlight of me is watching RJ do the pre-show, and I, I've I've said that to RJ in a, in private messages. I'm like, hey, my main event is the beginning of the show. I get He's- to watch you just do your thing for an hour, hour and a half before the show starts. RJ is such a gem that if you don't get it, you'll never get it. No. No. Right. And you just don't like you don't like comedy. 
No, RJ's RJ's a beautiful human and he expresses it every time he does these pre-shows. It's always my main event. But outside of that, I love seeing RJ. I really like the opening match. Well, the real opening match on the pay-per-view, not the Cesaro uh Jay Lethal match. But I can't talk about everything. Or I'm gonna be here for as long as that pay-per-view went on. I like seeing Tony Storm win the belt again. I think she's fantastic. I know I, I believe RJ is working very closely with her, so I would give some credit to him as well there. I if I have to again. Um, Tony Storm winning the belt. I love the character. I love that I don't understand it. I love that no one understands it. I don't even think Tony does, and I think that's what's brilliant about this thing. She's a lunatic, and it's great. I really like that they signed Will Ospreay. I think he came out and said, look, it, I've got to finish up at New Japan Pro Wrestling first, so let me finish. And then I'll come here, which is not, I think that's a pretty much, that's an indication that his contract wasn't bought out, but there was some money spent. Wait, was that the surprise? That was the surprise signing? We're going to say we're going to sign the guy that's been working for us over the last two months? Yeah. Well, two months to two years. Um, So (laughs) what I think would have been a smarter investment was to take all of that money that you're spending on new talent and all of this stuff and just take it and give it to Swerve Strickland. You've already got one of the best, probably top three in the world at the moment, and he deserves more. Not, I don't even care if he get if he's on the opening match. That's fine. Pay the man, give him his flowers, and his flowers come with zeros. Swerve Strickland here's, is brilliant. Here's and it's the problem. A, here's the problem: is you had a show like that last night where you took Sir Strickland, who is a porterhouse steak. Yeah. He is a ribeye. He He's is a, a tenderloin. He is a tomahawk, a yeah. ribeye tomahawk. And you turned it into Salisbury steak last night. Mm-hmm. You turned that thing in. You put it through the meat grinder. Where Literally. do you go from here with it? Literally. And that's what I was. I had a conversation with a few people from the network today where I was like, hey, you know, I. I understand what happened last night. Like when he's taking those staples to the chest and he's just walking through it. Like the match was laid out that the psychology the psychology worked until the finish. The finish was horrible. And this is the only problem with these matches. You can go crazy. You can drink each other's blood. You can take 15 bumps and barbed wire. You can Wait, hit what? everything in the brother. Yeah. Uh, Adam Page drank the face. I guess the person who's apparently the face drank the heel's blood to the point where he filled his mouth up, sprayed it like Muda, and then you could see him gagging. He almost threw up. So we're at the point where we we have to make baby faces look Drink like blood. they've well, not, it's not so much the drinking of the blood. That's the act of it. I think it's more the psychology end of it behind it is that you've taken a baby face, a strict baby face, and you've pushed him to the deepest, darkest area of his own psyche and his own brain yeah. to force him to look like he's losing his mind. I guess only an absolute lunatic would actually say to themselves, yes. I need to put my I need to take myself to this dark of a place to be able to do this kind of stuff. I think that that is trending that that is that is trending towards a John Moxley character, not an Adam Hangman. Hold my beer while I ride this mechanical bull page character. It doesn't. I think this it begins and ends exactly with what you just said, Adam Page. Or I, I don't think he understands. Or is it a way that they think that, like, oh, any man can be pushed to this? I don't know. Well, if that's I don't the know. Case, if that's the case, are we going to see more of this kind of action in AEW? Let's hope not. I watched Kota Ibushi take a bump on a bicycle last week, dude. Uh, I don't want to see this stuff anymore. 
Mountain guys, bike, ten speed. What was it? it I don't. I'm not a Huffy, a BMX. I don't know. Tricked out. My some strong looking thing. Or banana seat, the sissy bar. <laughs> I okay. <laughs> AEW, um, you destroyed your main event. Uh, please put the title on MJF and just make him a normal human being. I. <sighs> Um, I believe Adam Cole is the devil. I feel what? like that's the vibe we're getting. Adam Cole's going to eventually become the devil. I think that his injury, they're making it seem like it's worse than what it is, that he can pull back the curtain quicker. Right. I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't like it. MJF, I feel like you have taken from being the hottest commodity in wrestling. Christian said, oh, I see what you're doing over there. Let me go over here and be the biggest heel while somebody's politicking and fucking with your value right now. Because that's well, what's going on, in my opinion, with MJF. I've, this is the first time I've ever said it on this show. I think his value is being fucked with politically. Do you think that that's because of people showing uh, uh, people with bigger names showing up 100%. in the company? Do you think that's because of guys like Adam Copeland and guys like Jay? I'll tell you what I really think it is off the air because I just don't want to put it out there. But I do okay. think there's some big people that are behind the scenes there that had political pull that seen that this kid was becoming you, Chris, you know. You but, know okay, so so here's the thing. From a worker's point of view and from a, from a locker room point of view, if I'm in that locker room and I know that uh, Jay – Christian is yeah. going to be coming in and I know what his work is on the mic. And then you see like what he's doing uh, on the mic in becoming a heel. And you know, the writing, the writing's obviously on the wall, even just from that, from his abilities, mm -hmm. from his abilities, right? Nothing else to say to yourself, okay, if he's going to be the top heel in this thing, we can't, I, I, if they try to put me up there as another top heel it's too many people. It's too much for the fans to try to digest on that level. So you and have to have a top baby face. And if you have a top worker, you have a top worker who can go back and forth like that. That is an absolutely stellar idea. MJF is the guy that can go back and forth like that. 100%. But that's why I think he should be holding the secondary title, not the main title. And I think Christian should have been holding the main title. Like, I don't think this was a plan. I think this I think just that, happened organically. I think the main title, I think keeping the main title on him, though, is if you do have, let's say we find out that this entire time, that it is Adam Cole. It, this is the only best, way it makes sense. Yeah. His best friend. Yeah. His yeah. guy that they've had, you know, they've had that back and forth. But but Adam Cole's been in there and Adam Cole can uh, hang with him on the microphone. Adam Cole can hang with him in the ring. Adam Cole can and, and not just, uh, you know, we see what they, the chemistry that they've done as a tag team. Now, let's see what the chemistry is when they're against one another. Again. Now, let's see. Yeah. Now, let's see what they can do with a program. And the only way that, you, you know, not that it necessarily needs it, but. If you take away the most prestigious thing in the company from MJF, if Adam Cole's the guy that can come in as the devil and cause that to be gone, now you've elevated it up past what Christian is doing inside of there because you've attached a championship to it. And Christian can now go off and run his program with Adam Copeland as well. And you have a distinct separation because as it stands right now, you don't have anybody for MJF to feud with. Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear everyone listening? Do you hear why I've been preaching to anybody that will listen that Tid should be in a major company? If, if not writing the show, at least as an advisor, like what you did, what you just did right there makes sense. And that's how you fix a problem. Yeah. So yeah. 
companies, I know that there's big companies listening and there's people in some of these big companies that have been listening to the show. <laughs> Here is your solution. With that said, AEW full gear, the full seven hours is a little too much for me at my age, but I do like, I did like the show overall. I don't Outside think of Tony was- Storm, what did you like? What was your biggest highlight? I did like parts of the of the death match. I did think okay. that the, I think there was a little too much. It went on a little too long. It's not right. even the time wise. I just mean some there was too much in the, in the time frame that they had. So gotcha. I think I would take a couple less big spots and uh, tell keep that psychology a little bit better. I didn't like the finish, so I can't say I like the match. I I didn't. I really really liked the opening match. I think that was the best overall match of the night. Um, okay. And I do really think that Swerve Strickland has come into his own. I love the fact that they signed off spray. I don't think they needed to do that on the pay-per-view and tease people. I think that was something that was already pretty much known was going to happen anyway. Even if he was signed to uh, New Japan, there was a working relationship where it really didn't matter anyway. But let me tell you, how excited can you be when you say these two things? Will Ospreay versus Swerve Strickland. Oh, and with that said, we're going to go off to the interview. We're going to go to a break and we're come back for the interview, but we got to preface this interview. <laughs> Again, I got to preface. No, we really got to preface this one. Um, so this week we have legendary, and you'll know by the end of this interview why he's a legend. We have a legendary ref. Works for TNA. And I'm calling it TNA again. Works for TNA. He's worked for every major company you can think of. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Harry D coming on the show. Chris, can you um Harry Harry is a Harry is a referee who has been around since the beginning of time. Yep. Um the the first referee. Yeah, the very first referee ever. 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 Uh, Before that, uh referees didn't wear zebra stripes. They didn't even wear shirts at all. And you Mm -hmm. got confused well with who is who inside of the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, Harry D has been around since the days of the Tony Parisi days, Tony Cannonball Parisi, Johnny K9, um, you know, uh, the Danucci's of the world, like, uh, the, the Willie Farkas is the Wolfman of the world. Like we're talking old timers and we're talking new guys as well, because he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry D has been in the ring, whereas I, you know, some of us have had the luxury of being in the ring with a couple of legends here and there. Harry D's been in in the ring with more legends on one show than most people will ever get a chance to do in their entire wrestling careers. That's a so shoot. The stories that we have from Harry D is fantastic. Now, that being said, in this interview, <laughs> in this in this conversation, and I don't know what you're chuckling about and what the big deal is. There was only one swear word said in nope. the entire interview. Nope. Only one. Only one word was used in that entire interview. Now, granted, it was used 972 times, but it was only one word, Brady. Okay. (laughs) If anybody is just getting off of the Dwayne Rock Johnson interview from Joe Rogan, uh, you'll be ready for it. Yeah, you'll be ready for it. (laughs) Hold hold Harry's beer for a second. So we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. But when we come back, we're going to listen to some road stories from the legendary Harry D.
Hey, Santa? Yes, my elf? I have a real particular list from an older kid from Hamilton. Well, I'm sure we can help a Hamiltonian. They like a three-day party. Oh. One that stokes out the headbangers, Ooh. the punks, the hippies, oh, the hip-hop heads, yeah. the drag queens. And they want pictures with sexy Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Sexy pictures with me. No. They specifically said, not you. Give them passes to Past Presents Future, December 7th, 8th, and 9th at the Corktown in Hamilton. Fanatickets.com. This is the Law Live Audio Wrestling, and I'm sitting here now with uh, probably, I, I mean, we're going to get to this in a second, but this is probably my most favorite at least top five referees of all time uh and i'm talking an entire business worth over the years uh a gentleman who has wow he's a legend in in canada and should be worldwide uh his knowledge of the game itself uh supersedes what he does in the ring there's no doubt about it um and he's just pretty much an all-around great guy from Monday to Tuesday. Uh, the rest of the week, we don't know yet. But I, I am talking to a good friend. And when I set out to do these things, well, screw it. We're going to bring him in right now first. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the hairiest of hairy D's that could ever D be indeed hairy. I'm talking about superstar referee, Harry D. Harry, how you doing today, buddy? Good, brother. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen, when I, I don't know if you know this or not, we're about, you know, a few episodes in, we're not a hundred yet or anything like that, but we've, we've gained a lot of traction. This has been a lot of fun for me. And when I set out to do these sit downs, I said, I want to do these things with people that I just want to talk with, you know, guys that I know, guys that I respect inside of the wrestling business, guys that maybe a lot of people have never even heard from. But there's stories that maybe I can get and that we can, you know, provide together for these people is exactly why I want to do this. So when I said, you know what, I need to sit down with Harry D. I need to sit down with a guy who here's my thing, Harry. Nope, that's it. There's my thing. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, sounds, like you've been, a, sounds like you've been, you've been talking to my wife. <laughs> I've been. As a, as a wrestler, we only have an opportunity to get in there um, with one person at a time. Maybe you work two matches in a night or something like that so you can get in there with, you know what I mean, one, maybe a tag team or something like that, and then a singles match, however the, however the booking goes, right? But you, as a referee have had the opportunity to get in there with multiple guys every night. Hell, sometimes, sometimes maybe even the only referee <laughs> on a show. Actually, that happened not long ago. Really? Still happens Why? once in a while. Why? Um, no show. I forget what it was. It was a legit reason the other guy didn't show up, so it wasn't a big deal. It just happened to be... Uh, it was a show with a lot of students, so it was just, you know, a, a lot of hand-holding. So, you know, they said, no no big deal, but uh, I believe it was nine or ten matches. Okay. Wow. Wow. And you're old as dirt. 
right? Yeah, I so know like, shit. <laughs> so like nine <laughs> or ten matches yeah. is. Yeah, whew. I know. I know. Good thing. They had. Good thing. I just heard that first thing I said is you guys have stairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sliding in. Good. Just sliding in. It's all good. <laughs> Has have you have you been Harry D your whole life, or was that something I that have along? Well, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, well, my last name is Demersion, so uh, 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 just it, it was easier. But at one point, actually, any the first time I actually I heard it was with uh, Jumpin' Jay, uh, the Missing Links kid. I forget where we were, but there was another Harry that happened to be. I don't know if he was something to do with what we were doing, but so they wouldn't get anybody mixed up. They just said Harry D, and it just stuck, kind of thing. You know what I mean? So, and I mean it works on so many levels too, right? It, you know what? It really does because the, uh, the people who get it, I mean, it's funny. I mean, the funny thing, you're going to like this one. The first time I ever met Hornet, he said it. Uh, hey, I remember the very first thing he said to me. He goes, is that for Harry Dick? And I just started laughing. I said, well, that's the whole thing. You could be whatever you want it to be. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's funny. I've had a lot had a lot, lot of laughs over the years because, I, I mean, because you hear it so much. You always have the answer ready for them, and especially when it's a fresh crowd that's never seen you before. So you can embarrass somebody pretty quick. So, yeah, it's been it's been funny. I mean, uh, the, the funny thing is, some the, my very first show with Impact, um, I went I went to the announcers table, and uh, yeah, what said, "What's your name?" I said, "Harry D." He says, I can't fucking say that. <laughs> call me what you want yeah because at that point i mean if if you're going to use your real name and they can't call you that then i mean uh, what, what are they going to call you well actually no at the uh, uh at a recent show we did a impact they actually used my real last name uh in the segment because they didn't want to and like i said I, I they must have a perverted mind to think that way i mean a lot of a lot of people don't even catch on you know what I mean? If you got a dirty mind, you're going to get it and you're going to take it as a joke and make a rib about it, whatever. And like I said, it's no big deal. But, um, some but people I mean, don't catch on. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's, dude, it's, it's a name. It's a name built for ECW. Well, actually, the funniest time out of all the matches I did, uh, the, it made the most sense and was the funniest, I thought, when I worked with uh, RJ City and Joey Ryan when they had that dick match thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why I said, well, who else would ref that but Harry D? Like, you know what I mean? RG's like, yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you booked yourself in the match. Well, no, it, it just happened. <laughs> like, who, who else? <laughs> well, they, they didn't have much of a choice. It was the Destiny show. I think there was only one other ref there. So but it was, I guess, it was, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that's hilarious. I remember, I remember one time speaking of RJ. Uh, who was kind enough to do actually, I think our, our very first episode um, of this show uh, was, was with RJ city. And I can remember one time we were working, I'm working an indie show in like in around the Niagara area. And it's me and uh, my tag partner, uh, custom made man, Marcus Ryan. And we're working this show and it's an outdoor show for a promoter out there. Right. in one of these like, campsite things or something like that right it's crazy and we're booked the same night in barry okay so and i mean you know the the distance it's a you know two and a half three hour drive right from there well on a busy on a busy highway well needless to say and this was a weekend this was a friday night needless to say um we made it there in an hour and a half 
and we walk in and standing here in the locker room getting ready to for his match there's a match up there already and the next match was rj and somebody else and we walked in and i looked at the board i looked at rj and i go rj because we were supposed to go on like after intermission like there was another you know they booked us late enough to give us opportunity to get there the usual thing right and I, I looked at RJ and I go, RJ, I love you, kid. Um, you're switching your match with mine and we're going up next because we're still in gear. I'm still warm and uh, I want to get this over and done with. So, I mean, poor RJ has been the brunt so many times of so many bad things. It's about time something good happened for him, right? Oh, and he's doing so well. Good for him, man. Yeah. He I'm deserves sorry. it. Yeah, he's worked hard. So, so I got to ask you. I got to ask you because we go back far enough and we have a lot, you know, the similar ties is obviously is, is going to be, you know, Johnny canine. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the first time you met Johnny. Oh man. The very first time I ever met him was in a Zeller store with his girlfriend. Cause I was working at the store on Mohawk road in Hamilton and I recognized him from TV and uh, he was in line and I walked up and, I asked him if he was Johnny K9 and he kind of like, get all right, went right into character, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I, cause I had heard of him because he had gone to school with a couple of buddies that I grew up with. Actually, uh, my buddy Dave Cummings went to school with him in Dundas. Dave's Murray Cummings son, who's mm -hmm. an old school wrestler from back in the day. And, uh, he used to talk about how crazy Johnny was long before I met him. So I knew a lot of, uh, Johnny's stories long before he was even on TV, but I'd see him, you know, walking around downtown down by Nick DiCarlo's gym. And he trained down there with uh, Terry Morgan. Uh, I believe it was right on King Street. I, I want to say on the corner of Walnut, but it was on the, the second floor. They had a, a studio set up there. Nick had a gym where he trained uh, quite a few guys that used to do uh, enhancement work when the, when uh, the, the show was either in Hamilton or Toronto or anywhere close by, but, They'd use a lot of his guys back then. So you would see Johnny around town quite a bit. And then when I got to know him, actually the very first time wrestling-wise where when I was in the business that I got to know Johnny was on one of um, the very first show Ike ran in Guelph uh, that, I, that I knew of anyway. Okay. I had met Ike at the, uh, the WCW show, I want to say 97 in Buffalo when he came with Waldo. And then and shortly after, I think that was 97, I want to say. Uh, and then he had uh, was running the show in Guelph, and I was trying to get on the show. And he was playing, you know, hard to get. Like, I had to kiss his ass to get on the show and whatnot. So I knew a couple people that were uh, doing some of the promotional work and stuff. And uh, after, I'm going to guess and say a month and a half, two months of oh, just Ike bullshit, uh, I got to go up there and... <laughs> And meet everybody and then you know now it was like i was ike's when once i got in the gym was completely different than when i was on the phone with him now i was ike's long lost friend as he's introducing me everybody but you know the conversation on the phone is like you know we don't really need another ref and whatever so uh i got booked on the show in guelph and canine had come up there on his own because he had heard that this, these guys were doing pretty good plus he knew a mosque and and uh waldo and whatnot so when you know when he had guys like that involved it automatically gives it a stamp of approval kind of thing so uh i remember him coming out to the show and like i said we had our crowd uh, passed across a few times but like when it comes to 
this was the first time that he put my face to wrestling kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Other than seeing me around town. Um, because we had even set up the, the ring for Nick DiCarlo, but Johnny wasn't on the show. So, like I said, he'd seen my face around town, but just kind of like, you know, to him, it would have been just somebody from the city kind of thing, you know. Uh, the night of the show, when we were when we were leaving, I'm driving down Highway 6, coming back towards Hamilton from Guelph, and it's fucking pouring rain. And I mean pouring. <laughs> and this fucking motorcycle comes up, and I'm thinking to myself, who's this fucking idiot riding this bike and it's like i said no visor no nothing <laughs> I, I i could be wrong but usually he was in flip-flops and i don't know if yep. he was i don't want to say i don't want to say he was but it wouldn't have surprised me but uh i realized it was him so i uh, i went behind him and wouldn't let anybody drive because it's one lane there i wouldn't let anybody get in front of him so he wasn't getting splashed all the way back until it went to two lanes and then he gave me the thumbs up and i'm thinking oh good he knew it was me that'll fucking get me over right you know what i mean i'm thinking <laughs> and uh he he didn't know it was me till i mentioned it to him next time i seen him and ever since that conversation and like we we're we never had a problem i had worked several shows with him and 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 ended up having to drive him a million times mm -hmm. and pick him up once he found out i lived down the street like which i tried to hide from him as much as i could till he found, but like i said <laughs> Then it got to the point where he's like, you're fucking picking me up, right? You know, like, oh, you're fucking picking me up. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, yeah. That was the so, thing uh, with Johnny is like, once you like, once you got to know him, if you were accepted and cool in his books, you you were his, you were his brother. Um, but, you know, like I saw again, I never saw, I'm not, I said this when I did the, the uh, dark side of the ring. Yep. I I never ever rode a motorcycle. I've never been on a motorcycle. I never sure. ridden one myself. But I said I had nothing to do with that. And one thing he never did because he loved this business. Mm -hmm. uh, he never brought that side of his life into the wrestling. No, no. I but... never I never seen it cross. I mean, the odd time he had friends that come to the show sure. that were obviously were bikers, but uh, he kept that. You know what I mean? He didn't bring them to the back or whatever. He. I mean, he obviously he was. They knew who he was. He's on a big show. Mm -hmm. So his biker friends might have been wrestling fans too growing up or whatever. So, I mean, he brought them as guests and whatnot, but he he never, they never mingled back. I never saw them back and forth. Like I said, you never saw him play that biker heavy. He, I mean, he was crazy Johnny. That's had nothing to sure, do with that's him. That's what I mean, yeah. Motorcycle guy. Uh, if he didn't like you, he didn't like you. You know what I mean? But at the same time, uh, like I said, he never... I think out of respect for the business, he never brought any of that in as much as everybody knew. Uh, and everybody did know, like, you know, they, I mean, uh, Oh yeah. It was I, no, it was no, it was no big secret, but I can also remember right. at the same time, like he, he, he had more love and respect for the business than people yeah. even realized. And, and very, very protective of it. You said it yourself, like when you yeah, first yeah. met him, and you, as soon as you say, you didn't say to him, "Hey, are you John Coitre?" You were like, "Are you Johnny K9? Boom. He. That's how you know him. That's who he's gonna be for you, yeah. right? But he yeah, was oh, very, yeah. very protective of his business. Were you there? Were you there at the chin? Uh, at the chin. Yeah, I know picnic, what you're gonna ask. <laughs> at the chin picnic, where he was very, very protective of the business. That's exactly what that was. Like he he wasn't just a he wasn't a guy that went out to like look for an issue, but if one came, he wasn't going to move away from it in any way, shape, or form, right? Were yeah, you there yeah, that I, day? I, 
I, I was, but I didn't actually see it go down. Oh, I, but I, I okay. was there. I did. I was standing right back there when it did happen. And I mean, listen, I'll talk about it. For those of you that don't know, I, I was there the day uh, backstage. A, another wrestler um, did not. Uh, he, he had brought some people onto the show that that Johnny does, did not think they deserved to be on the show. Well, hang on. Let me add a little bit more because Johnny sure. had brought up other people to the show too. And the other gentleman that you were referring to mm-hmm. had brought his own guys. And I believe that they, and I know it wasn't the issue of it being cheap or whatever, but Johnny was just upset that he had taken the spot away from his guys is the way I heard it went down. As Correct. much as I told, as much as Ike told me that I had heat with him. So I had Johnny beat him up, which was total bullshit, but that's exactly what he told me. Yeah, no, that was complete bullshit from Joe and stuff like that. But it was, it was, it was a disrespectful thing at that point. And uh, Johnny basically grabbed him by the throat, goozled him right there, gave him five to the fucking face and caught him before he hit the ground before. (laughs) Yep. Caught him before he hit the ground. And uh, that was the end of it. That was completely the end of it. Right. It ended right there. Yeah. And he had a lot of, he had a lot of respect for him for, for taking his lumps and keeping his mouth shut. I know that for sure. Yep. Absolutely. You know, so, I mean, listen, say what you want about, listen, say what you want about Johnny. It's crazy to think that Johnny was the one that I would rather spend time with when you saw him and fucking Ike Shaw together. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. And and yeah, I guess that it wasn't much of a choice, eh? Right. But I mean, everybody kind of everybody kind of in the in the area went like Ike Shaw and ICW. Right. They he threw big shows. You were on that Hamilton, that Hamilton fiasco. Right. That big. Yeah. See, I worked that show, too. I worked in a tag. I worked at. Yeah. At the convention center one. I worked on the on a tag match on that show because he had like me and Magnus were on there and Tommy Twilight, like those. You know what I mean? The guys that I brought over there and he was like oh these are the new young guys and i'm getting you know a rub on the law blah 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 and it was just like everything that came out of his yap was just covered in bullshit oh except the 16 slices of cheese on the burger (laughs) that was was legit did you ever have shares are you (laughs) oh Dude, you know, I, I need to and not to cut you off, but I, I need to tell this one story because I, I've told Please. several people, but it's one of those ones that needs to get out there. So, OK, now we both know how much of a bullshitter he was. But at the end of the day, he gave me some fucking huge, huge matches. So out of mm-hmm. respect for that, I tolerated a lot of his stuff, but I don't agree with how he did business but man the guy had the world by the balls and he just threw it away and the only thing i can say and what i always told people was i think he was truly scared of he had actually become that or was in a position to become that successful that i think he panicked because he had to fucking shit or get off the pot and he knew he wasn't the fucking guy to be able to when the you know when People are going to be looking under the magnifying glass and there's going to be more money thrown at them. They're going to realize this fucking guy is just not the right guy. Right? Well, he, he was his so, own worst enemy. He, he he's, yeah. he's his own worst enemy for all of that stuff. Right. So he would now, self-sabotage himself. Now this, and, and I'm not saying that the, the story, not to blow smoke up my ass. And when it comes down to the end, you're going to see. Who, um, so it was a, Middle of the week, and I hadn't talked to Ike in a long time. I just happened to give him a phone call. He's like, oh, 
Harry D, I was just about to call you. And I'm like, fuck, man, what a liar. So I says, yeah, oh, yeah. He says, Chris Canyon's here, and he's auditioning people for the Jesse Ventura movie. He says, uh, he's only going to be here for about another hour. I'm thinking, well, you, how would you be just thinking about me if he's only going to be there for another hour, right? He says, okay, I'm on my way. Well, Cambridge is only like 35, 40 minutes away, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I hop in the car. I fly up there. I walk in there. Sure as fuck. Oh my gosh, Chris Canyon's really here. I'm thinking I'm going to drive up there and he's going to want me to go Burger King for him or some fucking thing, right? So uh, he says, and I'm pretty sure Magnus was there, but uh, and I can't remember who he was with, but he said, uh, you need time to warm up. So he's not like, uh, are you, after some, maybe you were there too, bro. Yeah, I was I the other remember. one there with Magnus. I'm the one that brought Canyon there. Okay, well, there you go. I was gonna say, I, I was gonna say, fuck, I thought you were there. So, yeah. we, you guys did like a two minute match, and we just yeah. went through our thing. And he says, Okay, good enough. He shook my hand and left. Well, I never heard nothing back, right? So, that was the night or the, the when they came and did the uh, first night show at the Air Canada Center, 99, May, I believe it was 99. Uh, I, I'm sure I have it written down somewhere, but so, uh, um, it was, uh, Saturday night, and I remember being at my sister-in-law's house because, like, wrestling was pretty popular, and I had like done a little bit of stuff with WCW. So, like, my brother-in-law's family was like huge wrestling fans. So, I remember, and that's what I mean. I'm going to remember little details because that's the stuff that sticks in my head. I didn't get to do it that many times, so you kind of remember more. But I remember they're saying, "Oh, are you going to go to the show tomorrow?" And I'm thinking to myself in the back of my mind because we were all the same way. I don't want to fucking go off. I'm not working the show. And let's be realistic. That's a WCW show. I'd be stupid to think I was working it. But I was just, you know, I didn't want to go, but I wanted to go. But plus, to be honest with you, I was working the next day. So I had, I had if I wasn't working, I'm sure I would have bought a ticket and went with somebody. But at the end of the day, I get home at 1130 at night on the Saturday. And back then we had the answering machine was like, flickering a lot more than normal like the, the more lights the, the more messages you know what i mean so I'm, I'm like what the fuck maybe i'm thinking oh work's calling somebody called in sick or whatever right i guess harry d is like shaw where the hell are you i've been trying to get a hold of you all day well we've been gone all day like i said it's 11 30 at night so i call him i can answer the phone he says to me because you got the audition they they want you at their canada center tomorrow and, you know and i'm catching a buzz right so i'm like fuck you you fucking idiot you know and he goes no i'm serious hang on a second and i'm telling i've never been on a three-way phone call before at that point he goes hang on a second he gets this guy on the phone and he's eric this eric that and i'm like no fucking way i'm thinking to myself <laughs> he's not telling me He's just telling me, Eric, Eric, when the hang buddy hangs up the phone, he's telling me it's Bishop. Yeah, right. right. And I'm like, no, fuck. Well, he's getting, this guy's giving me an American phone number and this yep. information where where to be. I'm like, and who am I to fucking say, no, this is Scotland. This is legit. I got it. This guy's cell number. This is not Ike. Right. So I'm like, oh, fuck, man. OK. So the next morning, nine o'clock in the morning. I get a phone call from Waldo. Dude, huh. Like, OK, not to sound like, but. Waldo Von Eric calling you like come on come on like I, I'm I'm blown away I'm thinking first I didn't know who it was when he called come on right. he says Harry you know who it is I, I'm like no I have no idea he says it's it's, it's Uncle Waldo and I'm yeah. like 
fucking right away. I'm thinking to myself, rest your soul. My mom would shit right now if she knew all the way Von Eric was calling me. That's exactly. Right. I remember thinking that right away, right? Because she was a huge wrestling fan, hated Waldo Von Eric. But like when I used to tell her that I know him, she'd be like, "Bullshit, you do, right?" You know. So, <laughs> um, Waldo says to me, "Harry, would you mind if I come with you today?" And I'm like blown away. I'm thinking, "Fuck, I wish I could have recorded that." <laughs> yeah, right. I said, of course. Of course, he goes. He goes. I don't mind driving. He says, but he's and he says to me, he goes. I don't want to come with this fucking idiot. And I says, yeah, 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 no problem. I says, I'm on my way up to Cambridge, right? So okay, get up to Cambridge. So and I says, Waldo, I I don't want to. I think I can't remember what my call time was, but I told him I want to be at least an hour early, right? So uh, he says, yeah, and I am. He says, I'll leave whenever you want to leave. So okay, I get up to Cambridge. Wald or Waldo's there. Ike's fucking still sleeping. I said, right, come on, man. Like, fuck, I'm never going to get this opportunity again. I'm not going to, we're going to leave without you, right? So I wish Waldo was here so you could ask him. I dropped two elbows on Ike off his dresser, okay, <laughs> twice. Off that little four foot dresser. Yeah. And he didn't even flinch and they were stiff. He wouldn't flinch. So he finally, fuck you, fucking asshole. Blah, 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 gets up, right? He finally gets, has a shower, shovels his toenails, does whatever he has to do, right? Gets ready. We start, Waldo says, well, while he's getting ready, let's go get some bagels. And you know how cheap Waldo was. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I love the guy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But he was cheap. So he, we, go, we go to Kitchener, which was literally like 10 minutes away from where we were. And this little bagel shop, bake shop, he goes and comes up with a bag of bagels. There's six bagels in there. He's telling me, bragging about this place all the way there. So I'm thinking, oh, nice. Waldo bought, bought me a bagel. Bro. He breaks off a little piece. It <laughs> just gives you a nub. Yeah. He used Buddy, to not do even that. A, not Dude, even he a used to do that. So he would show up with a bag of bagels at the fucking school. You, you, you want you want to try it? You want to try it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. And break you off oh. a little nubbin. Oh. Like he's like he's selling you crack or something. <laughs> Chris, it wasn't the size of a Timbit. He gave me, I'm looking at him. <laughs> fucking, you're, I said, you got six of them. You're kidding me, right? So I'm like, whatever. So we go back. Fucking, uh, and Ike's ready. We leave. So he starts with me in the car. He says, Harry, I'm really proud of you. you know, he says, I just want you to know one thing. He says, What's that? He says, they're going to offer you a contract today. You're going to tell them you're exclusive to ICW. <laughs> Ike, you, you haven't, you ran once in lab the last 10 months. These guys run fucking five days a week. I says, he won't have the words out of my, his mouth. I'll be dropping to my knees. And he starts laughing. Well, all those laughing in the back seat, eh? Are you fucking nuts? If they offered me a contract, I'm fucking taking it now. Yeah. Right? Fuck. Yeah. He goes, yeah, oh, yeah. You have to tell him. I says, what? Tell him I'm exclusive to ICW. So he buys you, buys me that up is, from you. I says, that's exactly I says, what he wants. I, 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 I cannot even give me a hundred bucks to show you, cheap prick. You know what I mean? Like, that's so, exactly what he wanted. Oh, my God. So, and so we get to the building, right? And, uh, for anybody that's local, you're going to know where I mean, where the Air Canada Senator is. Back then, it was just the building, and there was still fields and parking lots and stuff across yeah. the streets. So none of the, the 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 big bar and all that stuff that wasn't all there, right? So we pull up front, and uh, Waldo parks, and we walk up to the front. And I'm still thinking this is bullshit because it's Ike, right? So I meet this guy at the door, and I, I realize Eric is the guy from the production company, mm -hmm. right? Not Eric Bischoff. Right. So, but he's telling me he's been on the phone with Bischoff, you know, 
with all this bullshit he's going to offer you a contract. He doesn't fucking deal with refs, I'm thinking to myself. It would be somebody else. Like, why are you having a conversation with him about me? He would call me himself, you fucking moron, you know? So he, uh, we get to the building, and they we're about to walk in, and uh, and they say to, like, Waldo's with me, and so is Ike. And he says, I, um, Wally Seaver, Waldo Von Eric. And I says, he's with me. I says, uh, I give him my name. And they tell Ike, you, you have to go in that way. Like, Ike <laughs> had to go where the, the extras go, right? So I walk in the building, and right away, like, Eric Bischoff just fucking pops for fucking Waldo's. And at that point, I mean, he didn't. I didn't even get a chance to introduce myself. He just knew that that's the guy that's with Waldo. I, I could just tell because I had seen him a couple times later. He just gives you the nod, right? Yeah. So after all said and done, we get to do what we did. I don't want to get into all that. You were there, you know. Yeah. I got to do some crazy, awesome, awesome stuff uh, at the Air Canada Center, full building. Like it was like fucking huge bucket list thing. So we're all done, and I'm changed. And I'm in the back. And the show's still going on. And Kidman and uh, Mysterio, Benoit and Malenko are at the back getting ready to go out. And Bischoff's there on the crate. Said one of the fucking speaker crates, you know, the big black box thing that they yeah. have at the back on yeah. wheels. He's sitting on one of them with his clipboard, right? And those guys are getting ready to go out. So I just walked over and I shook his hand and Waldo's there and, and he's saying, you know, telling Waldo how much of a fan he is, blah, blah, blah. I said, I mean, I really appreciate the opportunity. And Walt and Ike's right there. And I says, oh, and I says, and I, I'm, I'm, I, says I, I see that you already know Joe. I says, Ike, Joe Rockledge. And, and he says, no, no, nice to meet you, Eric Bischoff. And right away, I look at fucking Waldo looks at me. He's ready to laugh. <laughs> You, Ike, you fucking retired. I knew you didn't talk to this. <laughs> of course he did. Here's you the know, thing I... that always baffled me about about Ike Shaw, though, is how he managed to always have everybody's contact info. Oh, like, you know, he, he did. Right. He had everybody's information, was able to get people on the phone for the most part. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but he was just like he did nothing with it. Absolutely nothing. Bro, it's been several years now, but periodically I get this phone call out of the blue from him. Still, shut up, you do. I swear, I swear to God, if I pull up my phone book, I have the last number he called me from still on my cell phone. He called me the last time he called me. Well, no, when when Smith passed away, mm -hmm. that is the last conversation I think I have with him. But he had called me a few times before that, just out of the blue. The one time he called me. Saying that, hey, Harry D, I'm starting to do some MMA out here. I want you to come out here and ref. I go, Ike, it don't work that way. I don't even fucking know how to ref MMA. And I says, and I'm sure I'd have to be licensed. Don't worry about that. I'll take care of that. I'm like, here we go again. This fucking horseshit don't stop, right? But uh, uh, the last time I called, I believe it was the, he's living with his mother-in-law or somebody like that. He was living with somebody else, but I think he's in a wheelchair now, if I'm not mistaken. That's a shocker. Now, well, now here's the thing. here's the thing that I would wonder though. You got to ask yourself, like, is it is it an actual because he needs it or because it's more convenient? Because we both know he was very much just a fucking. Uh, this is convenient, so I don't have to do it. Uh, I, I, are you gonna? <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna say because I know a story, but I shouldn't say. But I'm pretty sure I heard that if you Google search, you might see something about a lawsuit against the city for an accident with a wheelchair or something like that. I don't know if it's true, but. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. This guy. There's Life is a work. Dude, it, 
It absolutely is. But here's here's my question, though. Are there because there's clearly a lot more characters around back then. You know what I mean? Like actual characters in life that migrated into professional wrestling. Are they still there? It's, it was different. It was different back then, though, because there wasn't really um, schools, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more, you know, you happen to know somebody or you happen to pay somebody 500 bucks and they slammed you on the basement floor and got you booked on shows. You know what I mean? Like guys came and went where lots of times somebody will mention somebody. I'll be like, Holy shit. Yeah, you're right. Whatever happened to that guy? You know, uh, uh, I remember there was a, a student at uh jumping J school and the kid had a great body of that, you know? And, uh, I don't, I wouldn't say that he had, you know, how, when you know, you know, right away, somebody's got potential, right? Right. I wouldn't say that, but he had a look that definitely he would have been able to do well on the indie circuit. I don't know if he would have had enough to get to the next level, but uh, I always wonder what happened to the guy, right? He disappeared, you know, whatever. I mean, he was around for a few years, but, uh, and, and he came for money. So he always had like back then, he always had good gear, which a lot of guys didn't. So he did kind of stand out, right? So lo and behold, you know, maybe eight or 10 years ago, I'm reading in the paper how this guy is like uh, a heavyweight and, uh, you know, uh, uh, apparently they had worked for Brinks or an armed company, uh, armed cash carrier, and uh, a bunch of money went missing and uh, he ended up doing time, but they never found his money. And I was like, wow, like, I guess I would have blew me away. You know what I mean? Just. You never know, really. I mean, yet, like you said, characters. But I think that there's, I I don't know, because, I, I mean, we've both been around and we've seen the evolution of, like, these people. But you're not, I mean, when was the last time you met a gothic knight? Yeah. When, you know yeah. what I mean? When was, when, yeah. where, the last where? time The last time somebody puked on my shoe in a match. <laughs> <laughs> Has that happened more than once? Not on my shoe, no, but in, in a more in several times, guys have puked. But but yeah, he actually puked on my shoe in in a match, like in Kitchener, actually. So Harry, I gotta ask you this because you've 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 traveled a lot, you've traveled a lot down the road. We both have, right? Um, has there ever been any kind of instance where you've had to deal with customs? because of wrestling to be honest with you i've been fortunate uh other than well i shouldn't say that i now i know where your question's going i think you yeah, have me personally getting over with the border they've been pretty good no. with me but there was one time uh <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> i just had a flood of memories there so because I know uh, what because I've had it happen where, uh, you know, you go over into into Michigan from Ontario and you wrestle down there. And then even for me, because being an American it's always when I'm coming back into Canada, you know what I mean? Right. That They want to pull us right. in and stuff. And I've actually had them go through my gear after a show in Detroit. I think I was working a show for Huck actually down there. And uh, they 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 go through my gear and they pull out these pair of shorts that I was wearing that are just covered in blood. And they're like oh, yeah. holding these things up, like, whose are these? And I'm like, uh, those are mine. 
absolutely they're mine. <laughs> so, you know, there's always those, those wrestling related border stories, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Um, actually, to be honest with you, um, you know, New York is at Buffalo and in New York, uh, has been the only place in the States I've got to work, but at the time I had a, a license with the New York state athletic commission. And that was like the get out of jail free card. Cause when I showed them that at the border, it was like, you know, I don't know. They say almost like, you know, they, they kind of do a double take. Sure. Uh, and I never had an issue with that, but the, the only time I had an issue with the border wrestling related ever, um, was when I was crossing the border with our friend that we had mentioned before, Johnny Kano. Uh, we had, we were doing the, um, the the legends gimmick WCW legends gimmick and we had all gathered at Tony Cannonball Parisi's uh, uh restaurant in Hotel in Niagara Falls uh the Ni Niagara Motor Inn it was called yeah and uh oh bro and like I said this that 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 whole weekend was just incredible Ex especially if you're a wrestling fan you got to remember now I walk into the Tony's the parking lot at the back if you're familiar with it we used to all park around where the pool was. And the the hotel was really, I mean, when you look back at it now, it was pretty cool. Every room was furnished kind of like different, you know Just what I mean? Bit, so yeah. I remember, I remember the the one room had like your parents' bedroom furniture, and the other room had like modern <laughs> furniture. It's like you know what I mean? It was it was pretty cool that way. But um, I got there and uh, I'm looking around and I'm like, holy shit! Like Pepe Di Pasquale and all these old school. I got guys that I mean, I'd have to actually hear somebody say his name because I just I don't know who that guy is and I don't want to embarrass myself kind of thing. But I knew that they were all old school legend guys and and I recognized right away. I mean, like holy fuck, there's Lou Fez, and he's walking his poodle, and I'm like sitting down having coffee with Lou Fez, and then walking down by Niagara, not to the falls, but in front of Tony's restaurant up and down, so his dog can have a shit. Just talking to him about everything, being an immigrant, and you know. Uh, how I like living in Canada. I'm not really talking about wrestling, just talking in general. And we didn't have cell phones. And I think back now, like, oh, man, I, I wish I would have been able to just, like, have a, I'd take a selfie with Luthez walking his dog. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. But uh, uh, th that that day, we were all crossing the border. Uh, and there was a whole bunch of us there. Uh, uh, Ange Mosca, uh, Waldo Von Eric, Kurt Von Hass, Bull Johnson. Uh, Tony Marino, I, just so many. Greg Valentine was with us. Dory Funk was there. Um, so Breezy says to me, I was hey ref all the time. I was <laughs> hey ref, hey ref, right? Or or Bulls refs. So uh, he says to me, he goes, uh, yeah, you 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 don't mind, uh, you, you kid. You got to drive canine, and I'm thinking, well, this guy's getting me on the show. I I don't care who I'm driving. Like, yeah, right. And uh, but I'm pretty sure at the time, if I'm not mistaken, he had an anklet on. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong, but I mean, I know he was on probation because it was shortly after the that bombing of the police station thing that's yep. been on. So it's, I'm not telling you a secret. Yeah. It was on no, dark no. side of the ring. Yeah. This is short shortly after that. So um. Yeah, we're Johnny and I are walking down the street. I'm going to the store. We're just killing time before we leave because I, I think we're leaving at like you know three o'clock or four o'clock, whatever it is. We just all our call times early enough, so we're walking down and I go to the store, get a pack of gum, and uh, K9 says to me, "I don't know what he's buying." Says he, "Here you got a five? 
And I look over and he's got a roll. Like, he's fucking. So cheap. You're asking me for a fucking five. I says, you got a roll that's going to choke a cow. Fuck you, Johnny. I'm like, okay. I just thought I'd ask, you know? So we come back and I said to Parisi, I go, Tony, no, no disrespect. I says, but like, what happens if we don't get over? He says, stay behind the Continental and don't let anybody in front of you. Okay? He says, you follow that? Stay behind me and don't let anybody in front of you. And he's got like Ange Mosca and whoever's in his car, right? And I'm like, right away, I'm thinking to myself, because like I said, my parents were huge wrestling fans. I'm not thinking about, are they going to let us over the border? I'm thinking, my parents would never fucking believe I'm here with all these guys. <laughs> so uh, we got to get to go over the border. And I'm staying right on Parisi's ass. He's got like the old Lincoln Continental with the tire on the trunk. So uh, I'm staying there close enough. I get to the border and I see these customs guys are like, they're marking out with all these guys in front of us and stuff, right? So now in my car, now I'm driving my wife's car. So I, it's a four-door uh, Chevy Cutlass, clear windows and stuff, not tinted. So in the back seat, I got Farmer Pete and the other midget, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, from from out west. And uh, never mind. They were called where I'm not. I know yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a derogatory term now, but I mean, yeah. so uh, at the end of the day, and I got canine in the front seat, so. Now you got to think about that. You're crossing the border. You got a Middle East guy driving, canine with a ponytail sticking out of his head, and two midgets in the back. Like we look like a circus sideshow, right? So I, I got all our passports, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I'll put Johnny's on top. And that way, if there's an issue, they're going to say something right away. I don't even think this guy scanned him because I gave him the passports, and he gave them all back. As we're going through, canine kisses me on the forehead, you know, and I'm trying to, like, and I want to say, how the fuck did we, there's no fucking way. That they put, I, I, I'm looking at him like, bro, I know you just got out of jail. Like, yep. how the fuck did we just cross this border, right? So I'm not thinking, I don't care. I'm happy we got through, right? So we go there, do the show, have a great time. K9 does a job, or no, Bull did the job for Parisi and Dominic Danucci. Uh, they had a great, it was, you know what? It was just so old school. Cause I remember, now you got to remember, like, okay, now at this point, uh, Johnny and I have become pretty good friends wrestling wise. Like I said, not we never hung out outside really mm-hmm. periodically, but like I said, for the most part, our relationship was always wrestling related. So him, Bull, and I were like amongst each other. You know how are you in the back and everybody's all psyched up? Like we're the Hamilton guys, right? You right. know, like fuck, absolutely. Look, look where we look where the fuck we are. Now you got to remember. Now I'd already fucked. I'd already been out one time before that. I went out with Dewey and Gino Brito, and I and and, and again. I'd only been in that building one time before and it was in grade six when my brother took me to a basketball game with school uh, to watch the Buffalo Braves play. So I remember walking in there vividly that, that look of, you know how when you walk in the building on the first floor and you can see through the tunnel where the Zamboni goes and you see that building, like just in the background and the ring set up there. Right. So I remember being there and I'm like, Holy fuck. You know, like again, if I wish one thing I wish if I could go back, I'd like to have a cell phone so I would be able to have those memories. Because if I ever lose them upstairs, I'm never going to remember. Right. Right. So I'm in the back curtain and I'm like with Dewey, who was like a huge part of me doing oh. anything. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and again, I'm not like super religious, but I always say a little prayer before I go out. It's just me. And uh, Dewey put his hand on my shoulder. And I remember him saying that uh, this is what it's all about. And I, and, and in hindsight, that was the last big show he worked, right? 
And for those so, of you uh, that don't, for those of you that don't know, we're talking about Dewey Robertson. We're talking about the missing link. Uh, we're talking yes. a man who is like just like legend, such legend. a a legend. If you ever had a chance to watch his stuff in Texas, oh my God! Please go back, take a look. Anyways, I just wanted to make sure that they knew exactly who you were talking about. So go ahead, continue. Sports Harry. Illustrated, Sports Illustrated. The covers Hulk Hogan, the centerfolds, the missing link. Yeah, that's all I got to say. Absolutely. Well, he had better tennis. Oh, uh, yeah, he did, and he was just so jacked. <laughs> so, like I said, I mean, I spend a lot of time with him in the gym and on the road, and did so many different yeah. shows with him. But to be able to have like that was my first big, huge show, my okay. big first moment. I mean, it was again, Chick Chin Picnic, Tony Parisi, The Link, uh, Bull, Canine. Like I said, it was like the Hamilton boys. Like we were all stoked in the back. Angie Mosca, Farmer Pete, like like all the Hamilton guys, right? So. uh I remember when K9 and Danny came out and Danny and I like Danny was like, like a brother. Like, right. We were together all the time. Like, I mean, I still remember his phone number. Like I don't even know if they have a house phone. Right. Um, so he, uh, him and K9 came out and I remember saying to K9 as they came out, like Fuck, this, the building's just, I've never heard. Like I said, it was like, whatever it was, 15,000, whatever sure. people there. I'd never experienced that before. I know K9 has, and I'm pretty sure Bull had too, because he's worked some huge shows. But uh, like for me, it was just like, wow. Like that was like, that was my kicker. I think that was when I got, I, I was already hooked. But like I said, like that's when you knew, fuck, I'm doing this again, right? If I can. And uh, I remember being in the ring and K9 and, and Bull, like, and again, Parisi and Danucci. They all had, it was all old school, you know, uh, uh, they would do an abdominal stretch and crisscross and like just old school stuff. But uh, the crowd was into it because it was just, they were old school guys. And it wasn't like it was a, a long match where you were, they had the, the fans were in, into the match. Well, it was about two thirds of the way in. And I says to Whip, well, they're outside the ring. We're fucking around. I looked over, I go, bro, that's Jim Kelly from the Buffalo Bills. And then Canine <laughs> comes over. Canine call, starts calling him up, and Kelly right away gets up, and they're they're exchanging words. And I'm in between both of them, and I'm holding Kelly's shirt, and I'm holding Canine, and I'm saying to Canine, "Don't move." He goes, "Why not?" I says, "I'm on the fucking big screen." And he starts laughing. He goes, "You fucking Mark," and we're going back and forth, you know. And uh, and uh, they had a, it was it was awesome. So, anyways, they, uh, Bull does the job. Uh, we we all get paid. We leave. And we're in the hallway at the end of the show. And uh, right by the set of payphones there, and this young guy comes up, and you see K9's there with the tank top, and he's got his Zubas on there. And yeah, right. dude, at that time, he had to be like three hundred pounds, right? I mean, and eight feet wide. And only, yeah, and only only five foot eight. Yeah, and again, <laughs> and wider than he was tall, right? One hundred percent. So this one kid looks up at him and goes, "Hey, man!" He goes, "Wow!" He goes, "I can't believe a guy as big as you." to that old man and canine open hand slaps this kid and knocks him out and i was like guys let's get out of here we all hop in the car i got farmer pete the other midget now i got canine's wife with me the one who was on the show and uh she's in the front seat no she's in the back seat i got canine in the front seat all right and i'm like fuck now we gotta cross the border right we're going home no big deal so i'm saying to everybody Look, at, if they ask if we got paid, don't say we got paid, right? It's a charity show. Don't be fucking saying nothing on them because we're making sure everybody's on the same page. We get to the border. I know Whip's right behind me. 
And on the way back, Canine's trying to get his wife to blow the Pete Farmer Pete, right? And I'm like, fuck, <laughs> not in my wife's car, guys. Like, come on, why don't you give him a blowjob? Come on. And, I, and, you know, it's all for show. Like, he wasn't going to do it, but, like, maybe he would have. I don't know. But um, so we finally get to the border, and I reach in. This is where, where are you guys doing? This is another charity wrestling show at the arena. Well, is there anything to declare? No. Are you sure you have nothing to declare? I says, no, ma'am, we have nothing to, to, to declare. And then she asks a couple more questions. She says, and again, anything to declare? And canine sitting right beside me in the passenger seat reach down. He goes, what are you fucking deaf, bitch? You already told you three times. I'm like, oh, God, fuck me. I says, where do you want me to pull over? She points at the building. Bro, I tell you right now, before I got out of that spot and bull pulled in the spot behind me, we weren't even spot parked at the, the side of the customs building. The cops were already out of the door. Right. Yeah. So now they got the fucking car surrounded. Now, you know, when you're the young guy, you carry the guy's bags in the building, right? Mm, yep. Well, I carried canine's bag into fucking the building, and I know what his bag looked like. It was a looked like a doctor's gym in the old Adidas kind of bags, like a doctor's bag, but a little bigger version. It was a black bag, and it wasn't full. You know, he had his trunks and a towel and his boots, you know, like yeah. whatever. Well, they opened my trunk, and I'm looking at this bag, and I'm like, oh, my fucking God. He's got guns in there. And then right away, I'm thinking, that fucking, he had that roll of cash. He made a deal while we were over the border. I'm like, a fucking mark, I'm bringing him back over the border. I'm, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, they're going to, that's what I'm taking my wife's fucking car apart. Now we're going to have to fucking put all the seats back in. And so all of a sudden, they got the bag back, the trunk's wide open. I'm looking at this gym bag, and like I said, it looks like somebody stuck a bunch of bricks in there and zipped it up really tight because all these square corners are sticking out. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And she's about to unzip this bag. I'm tell I swear, I'm I honestly thought I was having a fucking heart attack. Cause yeah. I'm thinking, guns, guns, a brick of coke, whatever. Like, but it's my wife's car. I'm I'm thinking, I'm not even worried about going to jail. I'm just thinking my wife's gonna beat the fucking bark <laughs> off me, right? <laughs> and fucking farmer Pete's getting a blowjob in the back seat. What the fuck? So Anyhow, uh, they opened the bag, and he had taken fucking Gatorade from the dressing room, bro. <laughs> I just looked at him. I go, really? He goes, what? He goes, it was free. Oh, my God. And a couple towels. Like, there was nothing. And then his trunks, they held his trunks open. What's that? That's my fucking gitch. Right? Yeah. So they let us go. But, um, yeah, that was my uh, the border crossing story. Fuck. <laughs> I remember one time we're crossing back from New York, crossing back at the border. And uh, I was driving and I had like Hornet was with me and a few of the other young guys. And we get to the border and I hand him my passport along with the other guy's passports and that. And and uh, he goes, uh, you know, citizenship. I'm like American Canadian. We do the whole thing. And he goes. Uh, and uh, before anybody can even say anything, he looks at me and he goes, how was the show? And I'm like, oh, oh no fuck. I'm like, what? He goes, you don't remember me, do you? I'm like, um, no, uh, should I? He goes, you worked a show at Brock University and set the ring on fire. And I was the security guard that came around with the fire extinguisher and basically evacuated the place. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, that was you. He's like, yeah, that was me. I was like, oh, yeah, show was good. 
Wow. <laughs> and he's like, no he's like, have a good night, guys. Get home safe. And it was just like wow. that. But it's at that moment, like you never know, right? So the border can always be a tricky thing. I mean, it certainly was back in the day. This was all, this was, you know, before we, this was very pre, pre 9-11. Like the border yes. has tightened up immensely for the better. Uh, you know, I'm just going to show shout out to the border guards because um, I don't need no grief next time I yeah, cross know. over there. You know what Good I mean? job, guys. <laughs> Absolutely uh, insane um, when you have to try to cross. I mean, I, you know, it's only happened a couple of times. I, I, I crossed one time. We were there for four hours and decided that we were going to do some shopping. And, you know, they notified us very quickly at the border that we are not really allowed to bring back anything. Uh, if you're only over there for four hours. So, yeah, I, I did not. I actually just found that out myself. I did not know that. I thought you were allowed to have a certain amount. Yeah, no. You went over kind of thing. No, no. And thankfully, the border guard didn't like PBR. So he let me uh, leave with it. So, you know, that was always a good thing. So, Harry, I want to ask you because, you know, we have been going for, man, this has been fantastic. And I want to get into this because you were talking about earlier. You were talking about working at the ACC for the yeah. uh, for the Jesse Ventura um, uh, taping part that they did yeah. there as well, right? Yeah. And then and then after that, you no, know, they did the one scene after that, and then they did everything else um, in Brampton. In in Brampton, yeah, where you know the small hockey arena thing they had set up yeah. there, where they had like, you know, for me. I was on that as well. Actually, you were the referee for my quote, quote, match that we did there, which was just absolutely stupid. Um, but, you know, longest match on the fucking movie, by the way. But do you remember they had they had the crowd set up and they only had a certain amount of extras. So they stuck a bunch of balloons on sticks. No, <laughs> out in the crowd. You don't remember that? Oh, yeah. Excuse me. No, I, that I don't remember. Uh, and and, and I, I know I was, they were moving the crowd around. I remember them moving the crowd around. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember? Okay, so who? What? What was your biggest takeaway from doing that movie? Because I mean, it, it had to be as you're sitting there working in the movie. I know for myself, a lot of it was written on the fly. As far as like the wrestling goes, everything yeah. was out. You know what I mean? Because well, it, I can remember talking with Canyon and like up until like as soon as we started filming, I wasn't even, I wasn't even in the movie. He had just asked, you know, I was just helping him out and taking care of him, so to speak. And uh, not in the way that y'all are thinking, you fucking weirdos. But <laughs> so up until the day of, up until the day of the movie, I wasn't even supposed to, you know, I wasn't, there was no spot for me in the movie. Um, Chris Canyon just came to me. and was like, Hey, do you want to do a spot in the movie? I got an idea. Um, we're going to do the spot, you know, for the movie. You want to, you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. He goes, okay. Um, we're going to break a table. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Right. And he goes, uh, so, but uh, we're going to like, we're going to do this once. Cause you know, the, the director wanted to get the shot and multiple times where they were doing everything. It seemed like multiple times and multiple angles. And he was like, we're doing this one time and that's it. So after you go through, you know, after you put that guy, it was Jason breeze 
right? After you put yep. him through the, the table, anarchist. the anarchist, after you put him through the table, you guys are just going to stop right there. Right. And then we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. This is what they were telling Chris and Chris is like, Nope, we're doing this in all one take, get all of your cameras ready. Right. Because if you remember after, so we set up, we do the spot. I hit him off of the edge of the ring. He goes flying through the table table breaks uh, a table that is being manned by quote, quote, gorilla monsoon and Jesse Ventura. Um, that wasn't a real thing at all. <laughs> like this whole movie was right. This whole movie was like, what, what are we doing? And yeah, I know. And then we fit, you know, we finished the spot and we made him bring the ambulance out to help him, you know, help Jason breeze away in the ambulance and work everybody. And you had to count, okay, Jesse Ventura, the actor playing him, Nils Allen Stewart, I believe it was, yeah. comes over in the uh, comes over and takes a chair shot after I launch the guy into the crowd or whatever, takes a chair shot to the face and then falls backwards. And your instinct as a referee, Harry, was to plop down and count three. What I know the, what the come on, man. Did they like Dude, when they asked me to do that? I said, uh, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want. But he's not even in the match. Why would I count the three? And there's nobody laying on top of him. What the fuck? What yeah. Yeah. This? It doesn't even make sense. They said, just do it. It'll be funny. Okay. But I didn't see anybody laugh. We're laughing now, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. man. What was your biggest takeaway from doing film about wrestling? Actually, you know what? I have a lot of great memories from that whole thing, but, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure you were there, but, um, when, when Raven was there, yeah. Uh, again, because he's at that time, he had the reputation of, you know, either he liked you or, or he didn't, and, you know, and again, I'm only going by what I was reading and hearing because I had never met the guy before, mm -hmm. but, uh, he was extremely fucking cool. Uh, nothing but respectful. Uh, I, maybe we just hit it off, but I remember, uh, during a, a break one time, he had said to me, give Canyon your number. I think you got a lot of potential. And I'm like, I I'm on cloud nine listening to it. Like nobody else heard it, but me. Uh, and then during the one, uh, spot there, he, he said to me, he goes, uh, push me back. I'm going to tower in the corner. And like he started fucking calling spots, like, and I'm like, just I'm following. You leave the desk, bro. I'll follow. And then uh, he come off the 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 ropes and gave me a clothesline, and I just happened to be holding the ropes there, and I took a fucking wicked bump, and uh, I just laid there and wouldn't move, and uh, it was fine. I remember him saying to me later, I actually thought you were hurt, and I was like so blown away how how super cool he was, but. Uh, that's something that was never shown or never seen, but like, right. I probably have the most, most vivid memory of that little two or three minute intervention there. He was fucking super cool. Yeah. Did you get a chance to play like on set? Did you get a chance to play uh, chess with him? No, I did not. Okay. I, I, I did. Uh, unbelievable. Almost too good at chess for his own good, but you know, He's, yeah. like I said, he was a super Scotty nice was guy. always I was great. A, I, I, I don't know what they expect. Like I said, it's just the, other than you know, at that time with the internet being new and stuff, you read it as much as you can. So you, unfortunately, sometimes you're forming a wrong opinion because you're reading all that shit. Like I wouldn't be falling, falling for it now because, you know, 
we all know how much of what we read is bullshit. So, yep. But uh, yep. yeah, it was a lot. It was, as I said, there was so many things that were like really cool. Um, again, like you said before, some of the things they did in the movie didn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, like uh, there were when Jesse was wrestling all the different people that they had, like you know he wrestled against this guy and that guy. Well, when, when Jesse was wrestling, Bill Goldberg was my age. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he wasn't wrestling yeah. fucking Jesse Ventura. So when they did that, like I'm looking at the script, but hey, dude, I don't care. You putting my name as the ref in the script. I get in the work with Bill Goldberg. The guy's got the belt. I'm the, I'm good with that, right? Like, but like as a fan who's going to watch it, because I was sure you're concerned about how people are going to look at the way the movie is. A lot of people, that's the first thing they're saying. Well, why would he be wrestling Goldberg when Goldberg would have been like four, you know? So, but I mean, I get it. It was that they were trying to tell a story, but it, it was almost like they were rushed to put it together just so they could see they, they were. were the first ones to put out a Jesse movie, you know what I mean? But I, I, I don't regret, I don't regret at all doing it. I would go back and do it again in a heartbeat. They treated us great. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Here's it, and I don't mind telling this story now because weed's legal. But uh, I remember getting to the, the the venue, and my my youngest or my oldest daughter had just been born, so my wife wouldn't have come. But I remember phoning her right away with my giant cell phone, saying to her, "Fuck, I wish you could come down here right now. I got a trailer with my name on the door and everything, and I'm all excited." Right? I mean, I know I'm never going to get a chance to do it again, so I'm enjoying the moment, right? And I remember. Uh, an anarchist coming by the trailer mm-hmm. and I'm, I rolled a dube, right? <laughs> so I'm smoking a joint and all of a sudden there's a knock at, there's a knock on the door. I'm, I open the door and it's one of the ladies from the movie. She goes, you can't smoke that here. I said, Oh, I'm sorry. She goes, unless you're going to give it to me. So I'm like, Oh, we're good. So I pass him a couple buds. Right. So fucking, and a lot of them were from the States. Right. And again, you got to remember it wasn't, there was no dispensaries or anything back then. So I took care of the crew there. And I remember being in the uh when we're filming the movie one of them pointed out to me take a look in the stands at the signs and they had actually made signs yep. thank me for the fucking ref you rock thanks ref and i'm like i'm thinking oh my god fuck i wish i could have stole those signs but Hilarious. uh it, it was it was again uh i wouldn't change as, as much as i wish sure you would love to be able to do it several times but uh, I don't think I would have changed anything the way any any of it went. It was like very cool, and everybody. I'm sure you have your own set of memories, just like Magnus would have his own set of memories because Magnus got to do a ton of stuff there, right? Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, we all have our own. And I'm I'm sure I'm sure. Well, again, how many of the guys, even guys that had small parts, like Canine, never admitted to it, but he had a sh- a, a small cameo in that too. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Never admit, yeah. He would yeah. he would never admit it because we all had bigger parts than him. Yep. <laughs> That's that true. 100% true. You are absolutely yeah. right. Uh, you know, and 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 God bless him for that. Listen, it's it's no secret that like that movie was I mean it, it very quickly found its way to the $5 bin at Walmart. You know what I mean? Um, hey, and I was proud to be able to buy it. I, I did buy it. I think I got a couple of copies. I think I probably even have an unopened copy okay. someplace, but you so, know what I mean? Here's one better for you. I actually, okay. I'm, I'm all over the place with this, but it's funny. <laughs> so uh, I remember I wanted that when we were at the ACC during the day, uh, K9 
Canyon come up to me and he said to me, uh, Bischoff doesn't want to do the spot. We might scrap the scene altogether because uh, Jesse's wig kept falling off. Right. Yes. They, they didn't, and he says I didn't want to expose. Bischoff said straight up because I don't want to fucking expose the business in front of twenty thousand people. Our first time here, we're gonna. How are we gonna stop the match to fix this fucking wig if it happens more than once? It's gonna be ridiculous, right? So, uh, Canyon tells me that that's the problem. I said to him, I says, Chris, listen, uh, how about if that does happen to happen? You, can you can we not use the hairdressers as part of his gimmick? Like they're there to fix his hair while you and me legit fight for me to keep you in that fucking ring. I'll make you look like a million bucks, but I'm not letting you out. We'll give them enough time to do what they got to do. And he grabbed my hand. He goes, come with me. And he walked over to Eric Bischoff, Harry D. He's our referee in the movie. Tell him what you just told me. And I word for word told him what I said. And he looked at fucking Canyon and he looked at me and said, don't fuck it up. Swear to God, bro, I'll take 10 lighting. <laughs> so he let us do that. We did it. And last year, almost a year ago now, um, uh, CWI brought fucking Bischoff in for their big show at the uh, Resolution at Meridian mm -hmm. Center in St. Catharines. And I had that DVD. And I'm thinking, if I get a chance, I want to get Bischoff to fucking sign it. And I want to say thanks. I never fucking seen the guy again. But one thing I was taught a long time ago was if somebody gives you an opportunity or gives you a chance, if you ever get a chance, you want to thank them. Yep. So I brought the fucking the DVD with me and he was sitting in catering by himself. Right. And I had already had a couple matches, but I'm thinking, well, there's nobody else around. Right. He's in there by himself. He's not doing anything. I'm not inter interrupting him. He was just sitting there fucking having a chat, whatever. There's a couple guys in there. So I ran to my fucking bag and I got the fucking cover, brought the DVD in and I walked in there and I just fucking went over and I said, I just wanted, if I get, you know, I didn't get into the story. I said, but you, you gave me an opportunity when you didn't have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I thanked him and I got him to sign the cover for me. And I don't realize shooting the Indies is right behind me with his camera. I cut it all on a, a couple fucking perfect pictures of me Good shaking his hand and him, him signing the picture. So, for a rib on the fucking uh on the picture i put on there and like i'm signing the contract that says listen mr bischoff i'll sign for the same million dollars that i'm getting from destiny <laughs> and that's but when yeah, they knew was, it was a lie yeah he was like <laughs> he, 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 didn't, he didn't fucking even remember the movie i don't think bro to be no. honest with you no, so many but, things have happened to him from that point to this point he forgot about that movie the day after they were they left toronto that night Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, like like but, I said, it, it, but it's your it's memory. Funny. It's your memory, I, right? It's your history. Yeah, yeah. It's your memory. It's your story. And and that's always been the great thing. Is it's one thing that I look back on myself, anyways. And I wish that, like you talked about earlier, uh, we all wish that we had that the camera back then, the phone, you know, with the camera on it. Because back then it was cameras that you had. They were the little ones, the little roll ones that you had at the wedding, at the table, and stuff like that. If you had a camera or a Polaroid oh. that you might have traveled with, because you were given, you know, you were selling Polaroids at intermission or stuff like that right so i yeah. get it if you get that opportunity to do that i mean absolutely well, take even, it you know and i'm and i'm so thankful that it's a lot more accepted now like when i yeah. first started you, you you took a picture you got fucking heat yeah yeah yeah, I would, dude, I was taught the same way because you got to remember, I, I, you know, it was Johnny, it was Waldo, it was those guys that Bro. trained me with all of this stuff, right? So, I get it. I, I, I have very minimal, minimal things, you know, from other people. So I have a picture when, here somewhere, yep. somewhere. 
I have a picture here somewhere on this fucking desk. I was just looking for it. Um, <laughs> I, I I know I do have it, but uh, when I when we were in Buffalo, uh, I got a picture of K nine with Bruno San Martino. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is. See, those are, and those are the kinds of things. Those are the kinds of things that you have to cherish forever. You know, Harry. Yes, sir. Listen, listen brother. We have. Uh, this has been fantastic. We have. Uh, we've gone you know, at least an hour on this. Uh, and, and I could do five more with you. Uh, there's, there's no, there's no, there's no secret to, to that. You know, um, it's been my pleasure. And I hope that everybody who's listening, it's been their pleasure as well. Um, if people need to, if people want to get in touch with you, for whatever reason, if they want to book you for their bat mitzvah, if they want you to just come to their, come to their house, like, you know what I mean? How, how's, How's everybody going to get a hold of referee Harry D? Well, you can look me up uh, uh, on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, or refereeharryd at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, let's make it happen. Absolutely. And just remember, Harry, if you do sign that contract, you know, you tell them that you're exclusive to us right here at the law live audio wrestling. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to have yes. to both get that Ike Shaw rub. If you know what I'm saying. All right, Harry, Harry, um, thank you so much again. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay those last bit of bills off. And when we come back, we're going to wrap this whole thing up in a nice little bow. Stay right there. You're listening to the law live audio wrestling. Hey there, friends, listeners, and newcomers. This is Eric B., and I am the host of the Impactful Podcast. On the Impactful Podcast, we're going to break down everything Impact Wrestling each week. That includes everything that goes on in the background, everything that happens on TV, and everything that you're hearing on the news and social media. So please join me each week and live life impactfully. See, I don't know what the problem was, Brady. I mean, we're sitting here on the law, live audio wrestling. You get to hear such great stories from guys like who else is telling stories about, you know, border stories like that. That's just something that, you know, you don't get to hear everywhere. But here you do. And uh, and, and we tell stories like adults. We don't uh, we don't pussyfoot around things. We don't soft shoe it. That's just the way that it is. Listen, listen, I'm just having the conversations. That's the editor's problem. You have no idea how bad I feel for some of our editors. Um, That was a lot longer, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, but I had to get cut down and some things taken out for legal reasons and such and such. No, Harry is a fantastic guy. You can tell that he loves the business. Right? And that's, that's the one thing that that comes across not only every time that you talk to him in person, but anytime you hear him talk about the business, you can just tell that this man eats, sleeps, bleeds this business. Absolutely. He he is he has been able to do more things inside of this business than a lot of people have ever dreamt of doing. 
So, and, and he's listen, Harry D is one of my favorite human beings of all time. There's no doubt about it. We go way back as you can tell. So uh, thank you once again to Harry D for coming on the show and uh, gratiating us with some amazing stories like that now. Well, and go search out the Jesse, Ven- uh, the Jesse Ventura story. <laughs> if you want to, you know, put some visuals to some of those stories there, but yeah, go get a copy of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can probably find it at Walmart in the five dollar bin, or you can even just look it up on YouTube right now if yeah, you it's want to. YouTube. It's it's there. It's there. Uh, and if you think that interview, you know, if you enjoyed that interview and you've been enjoying all of these sit-down conversations that we've been having up to this point, I mean, next week is gonna be no different. Oh, that's all even, I'm gonna say. We're not previewing next week. Just that's all wait. I'm gonna say. Next just week is going to be wait. a doozy. And we are, I already have. You know, I've been given the paperwork and we've got stuff lined up. So we've got some very, very good stuff, some interesting stuff, some stuff you're not going to find anywhere else. Oh, yeah. We're Uh, closing out the year big. Yeah. Coming up here on the law, live audio wrestling. So with that said, Brady, shout out all those sponsors. Absolutely. Shout out to uh, SNME Radio, obviously, first and foremost. Shout yeah. out to, uh, who'd we say, Podstars. Shout out uh, to Fan Tickets. Tickets. Yeah. Shout out to, who am I missing here, Brady? THT, the handshake. Oh, team. yeah, those guys. Love those guys to death. The, the auctions that they pull off. Raffles. Dude, I don't collect uh, dollies or anything like <laughs> that, but these guys do a great dolly auction. That is unbelievable. My Go two fa- get your wrestling figure needs over at THT, the handshaking team. Go to facebook.com slash handshaking team. I've got to show them out properly now that you're sitting here saying they sell dollies. They sell wrestling collectibles. Okay, but that's dollies. In some some places, that's considered dollies, yes. My Ringside two favorite, disagree with you. My two favorite dollies are Parton and the one that Connor threw through a bus. <laughs> okay, and on that note, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The red light's blinking. The music is playing. Chris is just already throwing zingers out. Okay, guys, we got to get out of here, but we will be back next week. Check check us out on smneradio.com. Check us out on Spotify or any of the podcast providers. You can look up The Law Live Audio Wrestling. You will find me and Chris there. Chris, you got anything else that you want to plug here before we roll this ride out? You can check out all of my other stuff over on YouTube at tid talk t-i-d-t-a-l-k and of course you know as well like you said all of my other stuff at notorious t on ig on twitter uh follow us on twitter at the law wrestling uh and send us over any emails or any kind of questions or anything like that i'm very interested to find out from people what your favorite match of aew was and also what your favorite match coming up for survivor series will be you know what brady tell you what before we go how about we do a contest next week? All right. How about we do a contest next week where we can give away some of this nice new live audio wrestling swag that we've going, got going on? Yes. Right? That's some nice sweaters, some nice t-shirts just got printed. So so watch for all of the socials. We'll be making some announcements. And then on next week's show, we're going to do a little uh, a little giddy-giddy. A little giddy-giddy. All right. All right. Well, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for me, uh, little Brady W. And... Uh, Chris. Always remember, ladies and gentlemen, tuck your chin.
Thank you for listening to The Law, live audio wrestling with Chris Chidwell and Brady Weta. You can email any questions or comments to be read on air to thelaw.liveaudiowrestling at gmail.com.